A Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me some water to drink. The woman said, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for water? Jesus replied, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. The Book of John, Chapter 4 They say your life could change in an instant. And mine did when a Jewish man asked me, a Samaritan, for a drink. I have been drinking from the same well for more years than I could count. For me, change seemed impossible. I didn't even want it but the well always left me thirsty. So I came back to it over and over when no one else could see me. I always came alone. The truth was, I had no husband. He told the truth, the real part of my life, the one I tried to hide, but he looked right through me and met me where I was. He wasn't ashamed of me. He wasn't angry. In my life, I thought I'd experienced love. I thought I was pretty good at finding it too. I didn't even know what love was. On an ordinary day, I went to draw water and had a thirst quenched I didn't even know I had. I don't know if they'll believe me, but I gotta try. I gotta tell them. I found the Messiah. Rather, he found me. In John's Gospel, he writes with the purpose that people would hear the message of Jesus and would believe. And what we're going to read about today is the story that many of us have heard over and over again. I think we've actually talked about it in here once before, and I shared with you the alternate version of the woman at the well, that she was not a woman that was cast out, but in fact she was probably seen as somebody respectful by society and given the fact that people listened to her when she spoke. But today we're going to go with the traditional view and the understanding of the Samaritan woman at the well. And what we're going to do when we approach this lady and we approach the condition where she is in, what we're going to do is we're going to see that this is a woman who, even though she is broken, she doesn't realize it. And this is a woman who, until the point where she met Jesus, did not realize that there were things in her life that she needed to correct. And this is a woman who thought that everything in her life was going well. 
until the moment where she heard the words of Jesus Christ and it changed her life forever. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 4 and we're going to be reading 42 verses today, but that's okay because we love God's Word and that's why we're here. Besides, you're not the one having to read it out loud. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and he returned to Galilee. And he had to go through Samaria on the way. And eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. And he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews to refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? To which Jesus replied, If only you knew the gift that God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. This well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you be better? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. For it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them and giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here and get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that the Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? To which Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter where you worship the Father, on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one that you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here and now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so we must worship Him who worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when He comes, He will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then His disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, out of, and none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her, or why were you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came, streaming from the village, to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked one another. And then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying that four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit that they harvest is brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. 
You know the saying that one plants and another harvest, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant, and others had already done the work, and now you will go to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because what you have told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. And now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. So as I said, this is a story that many of us have approached in Sunday school several times. And usually what we draw from this is that Jesus is a really good guy. And Jesus did what Jesus was supposed to do. There was this Samaritan woman who was obviously living on the outskirts of society and living in sin and filth. And Jesus, the good guy, saved her and did what he was supposed to do. But with John's gospel, we know that John doesn't just tell us stories about Jesus so that we can hear the things that Jesus does outside of us and that we can be proud of the heritage that we have as believers. But instead, Jesus is trying to do something in the world that is not natural. And so John takes this person of Jesus and he explains the difference in who Jesus is versus who you and I are. And he explains the things that Jesus can accomplish that you and I cannot accomplish. And when John speaks, he speaks so that when we see Jesus working and we see the things that Jesus does, we look at ourselves. If you remember, John was writing to a group of believers already. He was writing to people who stated that they were believers. He was writing to people who claimed the name of Jesus Christ and who were trying to live that life. In the world around them. And he says I write to you so that you will believe. So he's already writing to people who claim to believe. And he uses the story of this woman at the well. And what I want us to do as we read her stories. I want us to understand that there are things about this woman. As there were about Nicodemus. That are very closely related to where you and I are. In our walk with Christ. And I know that's something that we very rarely consider when we read about people in Scripture. It's easy for us to look at other people that we know or people that we realize from around town. But sometimes it's not the easiest for us to see us as the person that Jesus might be addressing in a story that we had read our entire lives. You see, this woman at the well, uh, until the moment that she met Jesus, as I told you a second ago, she thought everything was secure. She thought she had her ducks in a row and that spiritually she knew what was going on in her life. If you will remember in her conversation with Jesus, she knew things. She wasn't devoid of all things of spirituality. She knew her history. She knew about the well that Jacob had dug. And she knew that Jacob was a very important person in the story of God. She knew that the place where her people worshipped was a place that was considered very important. And she knew that her people and the Jewish people didn't always see eye to eye. But obviously her people knew the right way. Now, you have to understand the backstory of the Samaritan people. These are people who were brought into the region several years earlier uh, to replace the Jewish population who had been scattered out by the conquering armies. And so these people came in into the midst of this Jewish culture and this Jewish world, and they adopted some of the things of Jewish life 
but they did not fully give over to the life and the law and the practices of the Jewish faith and tradition. And so as you can imagine, the Jewish people and the Pharisees being very, uh, very stagnant and very strict on the observance of the law and the practices didn't really care much for these Samaritan people. As a matter of fact, they didn't want anything to do with them. And it was very regular for people, for Jewish people, when they were traveling, instead of going through Samaria on the very straight and easy path, would actually go out of their way to cross a river and go around this area, cross the river again, and to continue on their journey. So John does something here. He says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Well, what do we know about Jesus? Jesus ain't got to do nothing that Jesus don't want to do, right? But see, Jesus lived for a different calling than for himself. Jesus lived his life for one purpose. And what was that? To do the will of the one who sent him. So Jesus understand the, the entire purpose of his life was to do what was necessary to accomplish God's plan. So John makes sure that that point is in there so that we can understand something. That as believers, if we are to say that we are living for Jesus and we're saying that we want to be like Jesus, we have to understand first and foremost, above all things and before everything else, that our lives cannot be about the things that we want to do. So let's be honest. If we were Jewish people at that time and we were faced with going through Samaria, what would we do? We'd cross the river, we'd go around, we'd continue on our way, and nobody would bat an eye, would they? They'd think it was very normal and very perfect. But Jesus had to go through Samaria because he knew that there was something he was supposed to do. So how many times in our lives do we look at an area or a group of people or perhaps a conversation that we know we need to have, but instead we do what is societally I don't think that's a word, but I'm using it. Societally acceptable. And we say, I'm not expected to talk to that person. I'm not really expected to have that conversation with that person because this is not the place nor the time. It's amazing how we can make the things for Jesus be about certain places and times, aren't they? So I think that's why John took this whole moment with this woman and he took it and he made it a part of his testimony about his witness about what he knew about Jesus you see for us as Christians that's how we share the message of Jesus Christ we can do a good job of putting some pretty cool signs out on the churchyard where the pastor takes his truck out and stands in the tailgate and tries to hit the fence thing and drops the hammer and everybody drives by laughing and we can do pretty cool things on social media where people say, oh, you know, their church must be pretty cool. Or we can post things about VBS and people go, man, that's so sad that that church isn't getting to have VBS this year. But you see, what John was doing in his gospel is he was giving a witness of what he knew of Jesus Christ. And so he's telling these young believers and he's telling all who read his gospel, this is what I know. This is why I am a believer and so that is how you and I, first and foremost, share the message of Jesus Christ. Now, we can make some really awesome social media posts, and we can work and arrange our Bible and our coffee and our bowl of healthy protein oatmeal right there, just perfect for people to see, and that's well and good. People are going to see that and go, man, I wish I could be in my Bible like they are. They don't realize that on the other side of that picture, we're throwing shoes at our kids because they're not getting ready for school. And in reality, we're spending five minutes. Am I, am I right? Amen? Yeah? 
Yeah, I had to put an alarm on my phone so that I would know it's time to leave. But anyways, when we share Jesus Christ, we don't do it simply by disseminating information. We don't do it simply by sharing things that are up here. We lead people to Jesus Christ by telling and witnessing about what has happened in here. Remember last week we talked about the difference between a head knowledge and the difference between a changed heart. So John is saying, I am giving you testimony about what I believe and about what I have witnessed and what I have seen with my own eyes and what I understand about Jesus in my own heart. And he says that Jesus took the opportunity to go through Samaria. As a matter of fact, it was so important to him that he had to. Understand, he had to do something that was not expected. He had to do something that was against all social norms. He had to do something that no self-respecting Jew would ever do because Jesus lived for a different purpose than for himself. It says, so he went through Samaria and he came to this well and he sat there. And it says in verse 6 that he was tired from the long walk. You remember our very first week in John? He did something. He spent a lot of time explaining that Jesus is fully God. So he's got the spiritual aspect of God and he's got the fullness of the composition of God's love and character and grace. But he is also fully human. And so he makes sure he wants us to understand that this is a God that is not disconnected. And he's telling people that this Jesus I'm telling you about is not somebody that is disconnected, that doesn't understand the world that you live in, that doesn't understand what it means to be human. He says he was so tired from this long walk that he sat by a well in the land of the outcasts. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water around noontime. Anybody out here ever have to draw water from a well? Like intentionally, not just for fun when you go to like, you know, the frontier days or things like that. So anyways, usually you would draw water early, early, early in the morning. Because you usually needed it before noon that day. And sometimes you would draw some in the evening. That way you'd have some first thing in the morning. But you didn't go at noontime because it was really, really hot. And it's a long way to walk with a lot of water. But for some reason, this woman came at noontime. And scholars are debating whether or not why she decided to come at noontime. Some say that she was a very prominent woman. And it was something that she chose to do for herself. She was training for a triathlon. I don't know. But she decided to go at noon so that she could carry her water. It's endurance training. And there she met Jesus. But a lot of scholars saying, given the context of the story and the clues that are there, this woman was most likely an outcast. So she was an outcast of the outcasts. And it wasn't normal for her to go and get water with the rest of the women at the time. Probably because she would be ridiculed. Maybe because she was disrespected at the fact that she wasn't married to the guy that she was living with. And we don't know the details behind why she had been married five times. You know, mortality in those days wasn't the greatest. It's very likely that at least some of those five guys died. And that may be why people didn't want to go with her. You know, there's mysterious circumstances. Why, <laughs> yeah, let's just be honest, you know. Let's be, let's be real here. But can you imagine the shame of a woman 
in a society where being married is all about your status, where the person that you're married to is what gives you your name and your place in society, and you have failed at it five times. And you're at the point now where you're living with somebody you're not even married to. You know, it's becoming more and more normal for people to live with people they're not married to now. But I will tell you, back then, even in the world of the outcasts, that was an absolute no-no. If you wanted to sign a black X on top of your name, that's what you would do. But you got to remember, this is a society that was based around men. This is a society where women couldn't own things, where women could not do things without the man over her and speaking for her. And so this woman, widowed or left behind, whatever, five times, was deduced to living with a man for survival. See, that kind of changes the story a little bit, doesn't it? That perhaps this woman was forced into this situation because it was the only way that she could survive. It was the only way that she could have money to buy food. It was the only way that she could have security without having to turn to a certain type of job that is definitely not something somebody wants to do. So here at the well in the middle of the day, she meets with Jesus, and Jesus does something completely unlike anything anybody of Jewish descent would do. He spoke to her. And it was something simple. It wasn't like, hey, you sinner. And it, it wasn't, sorry, I almost choked. It wasn't, if you just turn away from this life, Jesus would save you. It wasn't, if you would turn away from who you are, God could do great things in your life. It was, hey, can I have a drink of water? He didn't start out with the great theological debate of her life and circumstances. He said, it's hot out here. I've been walking a lot. I'm thirsty. You got a bucket. Can I have something to drink? That was it. Just a simple conversation that tore down walls. It was a simple question, but if you think about what had just happened, Jesus has just obliterated years and generations of social don't-dos. He said, can I have a drink of water? And this woman doesn't go, sure, or okay, or well, let me draw some water. And yes, the woman goes, this dude's talking to me. That is all it took to get her attention and for Jesus to have her attention is to say, I just need something to drink. Imagine what it would look like if you and I as Christians, as people in our social standing, in our first world, middle class, upper middle class, I don't know where you're at in the classes, if we talked to somebody that we weren't expected to and it wasn't about business, and it wasn't about making sure that we are, are different than they are, and they knew that. But if it was something simple as, hey, can I have a drink of water? Or, hey, would you like a drink of water? Or, hey, how is your day going? I'm Matt. It's a nice car you got there. Those some 589 wheels. I don't know. Whatever your conversation is. Imagine what would happen if we could reach across the aisle, if we could reach out of our zone, and just start a conversation. Generations and decades of social do's and don'ts have been set aside in what we have now is a genuine conversation. And so Jesus begins his conversation with this woman and says that the woman was surprised. John wanted to make sure that all it took 
to surprise this woman was one person who shouldn't be talking to her is talking to her. It says that she was surprised and she goes, wait a minute, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. What are you doing asking me for a drink? And then Jesus goes, I got her now. The walls are coming down and now it's time for the conversation. He said, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and the one that is speaking to you, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So here's where the story becomes a little bit more about us when the conversation with Jesus begins. She goes, sir, you don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket and this well's very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides... I know you're a Jew, I know I'm an outcast, but what makes you think that you are better than the people who gave us this well? Do you not understand this well came from Jacob? Like he is in God's book. Understand the Samaritans knew the Pentateuch very well. They understood things of God and the history of God very well. And she said, this is Jacob's well. What makes you think that you're better than that? She was secure in her beliefs. She was secure in her understanding but there had not been something that happened with Jesus. But you see, when Jesus said, when you know what God has for you, I'll give you this living water, her mind does something. And I think, like I said, this is where you and I are in the story. When Jesus speaks, a lot of times we think that we are very secure in what we understand. We think we are very secure in, in our beliefs and our thoughts and our, our understanding of all the things of God working in the midst of humanity. But sometimes we respond a lot like this lady did. A very literal speaking. Has Jesus ever said anything? Have you ever read anything that Jesus has done in Scripture? And you try to fit that in with our understanding of life in the world? Let's just talk about eternal life for a minute. That has been the biggest argument of the Christian faith for as long as it's been around. It's people of the world going, you know, that's a really big promise. I don't think it's going to happen. There are Christian scholars who are sitting there going, well, eternal life may not really mean eternal life. It may just mean that we're happy in this life and that peace that we have from thinking about eternal life allows us to live as Christians. That very materialistic and literal understanding that keeps us from hearing what Jesus has said. Imagine if Jesus called you to go live in a mud hut in the jungle. That's the, like the extreme thing. I have to think of that one. Most of us will go, well, Jesus just wants us to be willing to give. Or Jesus just wants us to be willing to serve you know, other people that are less fortunate. No, what if Jesus really means I want you to go live in a mud hut and fight off bugs for your supper and tell people about me? If we respond the way that the woman did, with that very literal and materialistic thinking, instead of hearing what Jesus is saying based off what we know about Jesus and what we have witnessed about Jesus, then we may miss what Jesus is speaking of. And that's what we see here is that the woman has missed what Jesus is speaking of. And Jesus said, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. You ever had a drink of water and a few minutes later you're thirsty? Yeah, that's how I am now. I see my water bottle sitting there. I'm like, man, I really want to take a drink of that. But Jeremy said I look like a gym rat when I drink out of it. So I'm not going to drink out of it in front of y'all. So anyway, things in this life, they don't satisfy us for the longest time, do they? Even if it's the best drink of water. I remember when I was growing up, I worked at a tire store because 
I had to. I had to have a job. And so the best part of my week was on Saturday mornings. Yes, I was a high school kid, so I worked every Saturday morning. I didn't get off like all the other guys do. But people would bring hot spud nuts. If you've never had a spud nut, it's a donut made out of potato flour, and it blows donuts out of the water. There's no comparison. A spud nut that is hot, fresh out of the oven, and water from an old, nasty, rusty water fountain. I don't know why. It's probably not sanitary. It's definitely not COVID safe. But I loved it. And I would look forward to Saturday mornings getting a drink out of that water fountain because it was so cool and so refreshing and it just made the spud nut come to life. But I realized after changing tires on four or five vehicles, I was thirsty again. And even though that water was amazing, it didn't do the job for forever. And so Jesus is telling the woman that anyone who drinks from this well will become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I have to give them will never be thirsty because it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them. Do you imagine what was happening if there was a spring within you? First off, you'd be going to the hospital. But second off, you would never be thirsty. You'd have your own water source. And so the woman again goes, hold up now. You're telling me that you can give me water that I'll never have to drink again and I'll never have to carry this bucket and dip this water in the hot sun ever again? That's what you're saying to me? Again, there's that literal and understanding, materialistic understanding. He's got something tangible that I can have. But we know that's not what Jesus is talking about, don't we? Because we are wise. We are smart people. We know that he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So what's happening here in this situation is that Jesus has already confronted this woman in a way that was not expected. And he begins to share with her a need that she doesn't even know that she has. For her, she's just thinking she needs to get water. But Jesus is revealing to her that there is something inside of her, something life-giving that should be inside of her that is not there. But notice Jesus doesn't come to her and say, you know, if you were a Jewish person, this wouldn't happen. You know that if you went to the synagogue in Jerusalem like you're supposed to, you wouldn't be considered an outcast. He says, you know what, here's the deal. Within you can be something that will give you life. Bubbling, fresh water within you that will give you eternal life. And she says, I want some of that. So then Jesus pulls out the stops and he says, go and get your husband. Can you imagine the look on this lady's face? Here's the holy Jewish man speaking in all these deep mystical ways, has something eternal for me. And he just told me to go get my husband. He doesn't know that three of them are buried under the front porch. <laughs> Got to throw that in there. But she says, oh no, he's surely fixing to quit talking to me now. He broke all the social rules and had a conversation with me, but when he learns about my life, this conversation is done. She said, sir, I have no husband. There's that, here's the story, but it's not the whole story. He said, you're right. You've had five of them, and I know where they're at. But the guy that you're living with now, I know he's not your husband. Can you imagine the sheer terror on this woman's face? She knew where she stood in relationship to the Jewish people. Even though she was sure in who she was and she was sure in her understanding of faith, she knew that she was seen as an outcast as a woman and now as a woman that's not married and is living with a guy. But Jesus says, you're right. 
You spoke the truth. Jesus revealed something to her that I think is important for us to understand. Jesus already knew everything about this woman. And when John's writing his gospel, he includes this so that while we realize that Jesus was tired and sat by the well and wanted something to drink, Jesus is still God. And the relationship that Jesus desires with people is not one that is based just on human relationships. But it is based on a relationship that only God can provide. So when you and I share the message of Jesus Christ, we have to be careful that we're not sharing something that can only be described and understood and experienced in purely human ways. We have to remember that we are sharing the Jesus that already knows these people. The Jesus that already values these people. The Jesus that already died for these people. And you see, that is the difference between the message of Jesus Christ that offers salvation and a message of Jesus Christ that offers a religion that must be observed and followed. And so Jesus confronts this woman, and he said, I already know everything about you. As you saw in the video, it did a great job of saying he wasn't mad. He wasn't ashamed. He didn't go, you know what? I don't need any water from you. You're dirty. He decided to have the conversation. And so the woman realized, okay, there's something different about this guy. And we've got to move on, so we'll continue on next week. But my thing is this. In the story of this woman at the well, we see, as we've always seen in Sunday school, that Jesus is approaching somebody who is living life all wrong, and he is sharing with them the gospel message, and he's offering the opportunity for eternal life. But what John is trying to get us to understand is that Jesus did not draw a line in the sand of people that he was willing to approach. That the gospel message was not meant to be shared just with people that are like us. That having church and going to church is not about just going with people that we're comfortable with, that see things the way that we do, that do things the way that we're used to and the way that we like. But it's about understanding that our life is about a purpose other than our own. And so when Jesus knew that Samaria was coming up, he had to go because he knew there were people there that needed to hear the message that he had to bring. And so when you and I live as Christians, we have to be careful that we don't hear the message of Jesus Christ. And we don't approach a life with Christ the way that perhaps the Samaritan woman did, the way that perhaps Nicodemus did, when we know all the things, we're pretty smart, so we're pretty secure in what we believe. But we have to understand that when Jesus speaks, he already knows everything about us. And we can't look at his word and go, well, that doesn't apply to me because this, that, this, that, and that. When we read that word, we understand that this is Jesus speaking life into us. There's nothing that doesn't apply to us in this book. 
There's nothing where the context has changed so much that it is no longer applicable to us. Because these are the words that produce the wellspring of life within us that leads to eternal life. And God already knows everything about us. So my challenge for you is this. When you go out of these doors, you have a choice. You can walk out and say, I am a Christian. I know about Jesus. He is my Lord and Savior, and I've got it together. And that can be it. And we're okay with that. That is socially acceptable. But I think what John's doing when he tells us this story and he shows us the example of this woman at the well is he's saying, make sure that you take the opportunity. Make sure you take the opportunity to have conversation with other people that you can give witness and you can share your testimony. But make sure that you're willing to have the conversation with Jesus where you know there are some things in your life that people would be ashamed of that don't match up with Jesus' word. But yet Jesus confronts you. And he says, I have something for you that will give you eternal life, that will give you freedom from having to go back and do this over and over again. Make sure you're willing to have that conversation when Jesus says, in fact, I already know it. I know everything about you. Have that conversation and discover what Jesus can do. Even if you think you're secure, even if you think you know all the things and you have all the answers, there is still more that Jesus wants to do in you and there are still things that Jesus wants to give you in this life to where you can experience him. When we continue next week with the woman at the well, what we're going to continue to see is how Jesus always, always, always wants to give if we would be willing to take that. On the night in which Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room, he sat and he looked at a group of people who had become his closest friends. They had been together through the darkest nights. They had traveled long and dusty roads together. They had seen God do some amazing things. And Jesus knew that would be the way that they would be successful in their faith. Not by sitting down and, and reading and memorizing and studying, but by experiencing. By sharing with one another the things that had happened in their own life, that God had done in their own life. And that the only way that this community would grow is if they would invite other people into that community. That was the desire that Jesus had for his friends. That their lives had been touched and changed in such a way that the message that they had was no longer about themselves, that the purpose for their lives had no longer about themselves. But they had realized what Christ had accomplished. And together, they would share that with the world around them. So as the supper was over and they were conversing, he took a loaf of bread, just a normal loaf of bread, and he said, this, this is my body that will be broken for you. And as often as you eat it, do so in remembrance of me. And then he took a cup. 
Again, remember, this was just an ordinary cup. It wasn't anything special. It wasn't something that was brought out for special times. It was brought out for dinner. Anytime they ate, this vessel came out. And he said, in this vessel, in this normal, what you would think would be ordinary and unspecial vessel, is my blood, the blood of a new covenant that has been poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And as often as you share it, do so in remembrance of me. And so we ask, Father God, that in your mighty acts of grace that this bread and this juice would become for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be the body of Christ filled with his blood, that we would live his life as an example for the world, that our lives would be a witness and a testimony of what Jesus has done and what Jesus seeks to do. We proud this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word. God, we thank you for the witness and the testimony of those who have seen you, those who have experienced you, and those who have discovered life through you. God, we ask that as we seek to be believers, as we seek to be Christians, that we would realize that all good gifts come from you. That we would rejoice in the fact that it is all about Jesus Christ and not about our wisdom and not about our knowledge and not about our status. But God, all things are because of Jesus. So God, we ask as we read about this woman at the well, that we would not read it as Jesus reaching out to the outcast and the lost and bringing them to be on our level, but we would read it as Jesus reaching out to us. That because of sin, we had be considered outcasts. That because of not knowing all the things of who you are, we were limited in our understanding of what you have come to do. But God, help us to have the conversation with Jesus. To be able to face the things in our lives that don't measure up. That keep us from discovering you and knowing you in such a way that we experience the welling of this spring of life within us. God, give us a desire to know you. To have a conversation that seeks to transform our lives to know you better. God, let us live our life with you in confidence as we seek to know Christ and for our hearts to become as his. And help us to remember that we don't do this alone, but we do this together in a community of faith that has spanned ages and generations and will continue long after us that we don't walk this journey alone, that your Holy Spirit is with us. And God, you promised us that you would be with us. God, help us to remember the words that Jesus taught us as we pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.